You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. Right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. The LSU baseball season and Paul Maneri's coaching career have come to an end. The Tigers 0-2 in Knoxville, meaning 0-5 against the Vols this year. Uh, we will certainly recap the series and look ahead as LSU not only moves toward a new season, but also a new era with a new coach. We'll get to the latest there. Uh, let me not spend a ton of time recapping the Super Regional because, honestly, there just isn't a ton to recap. Um, LSU lost game one, 4-2. to two. We talked about it on Friday. I liked the approach of starting Mikhail Hilliard game one and giving Landon Marceau the extra rest for game two. And it looked like LSU was going to come up aces because the Tigers took a one nothing lead in game one of the second inning. The Vols would tie it. LSU would take the lead back in the top of the fifth. Tigers are leading 2-1. to one. You got Mikhail Hilliard just cruising at this point. And after five innings, Paul Maneri made the decision to pull McHale and go to Javen Coleman. Now, after the game, Maneri said that you know they were thrilled to get five from Hilliard and that Coleman had been pitching so well. Tennessee was about to turn its lineup over again. They had seen McHale a couple of times, so it felt like a good time to make the switch. I often say with baseball, if, if there's logic behind the decision, then I can live with the result. Because hindsight's twenty twenty, but baseball is largely a game of failure. I mean, what's the old adage? You fail 70% of the time, you make it to the Hall of Fame. The thing about it that I totally understand is Paul didn't want to run the risk of running McHale out there again and having Tennessee see him again and get going. And you also went from a off-speed right-hander to a lefty throw in 94. It gave Tennessee something completely different to look at, different timing. So everything there makes a lot of sense. And it's worth mentioning as well that Javen Coleman goes out there, strikes out the first batter he faces, and was actually 0-2 to Ferguson, their two-hole hitter. And Ferguson had a great at-bat, and he came back and worked the count full and ultimately wound up walking in a fantastic at-bat. You tip your cap. Rucker doubled, so it's second and third. And this was the play. It's second and third with one out. You get a ground ball to third base, and K. Doty just didn't know what to do with it. He could have done any of three things. He could have come home with the ball. He could have tagged the runner who broke for third, or he could have thrown it to first. And he did none of those. And so the run scored. Runner gets to third. Runner safe at first. Instead of two outs tie game, you now have one out tie game and two on and, of course, we know what happened from there. It just it didn't go LSU's way, uh, but it could have had they had a little more awareness in the field, but it didn't. So it's easy to look back in hindsight and say it was the wrong move, and in hindsight it was the wrong move. But I do understand the logic behind what Paul Maneri was doing. Even still, after that loss, you felt good because you had Landon Marceau on an extra day's rest. You had your ace going, and this, you know, this was an opportunity – to even up the series and force a game three. And this is where I'm going to say that I, I don't agree with Paul Maneri's strategy. You, know, you had Landon Marceau. You gave him the extra day's rest. He was only at 55 pitches. He wasn't exceptional, 
But when Landon Marceau exited the game after three innings, and remember LSU was the home team, you know, LSU got a run on Dylan Cruz's second homer there in the bottom of the third, and it's a three to two ball game. It's a three to two ball game. And you have Landon Marceau. I can't understand pulling Marceau after three innings and fifty-five pitches. Now, if you are going to pull him, you have got to go to your best arm. And your best arm is Devin Fontenot. You can't save Devin Fontenot hoping that you have the lead at the end of the game for him to protect. If you lose, your season is over. It made no sense at that point to go to Garrett Edwards, who only lasted a third of an inning and gave up two runs. And then from Edwards, you went to Helmers, who's basically the same guy. The tall freshman, not overpowering, picks his spots, good moxie, but like he finished out the inning but gave up four runs. And then you went to Vittmeyer, and then to Hasty, and then finally you go to Labus, and then to Fontenot in the ninth, and it just, it but it was out of control by that point. And that's where I think I have to criticize to say I can't understand pulling Marceau after three unless if he said, I don't have it today. And even if that's the case, there's no excuse to go anywhere but Devin Fontenot. You've got to put your best arm on the mound, and you didn't. And that's the tough thing to swallow is you lost without having your best guy following in that situation. So the LSU season comes to an end, and so does Paul Maneri's career. So what's next for the Tigers? We will get to that when we come back here on the Locked on LSU podcast brought to you by Rock Auto. Remember, the NCAA baseball uh, championships continue. The College World Series is coming up this weekend. You can wager at betonline.ag on college baseball in the postseason. So betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is in full swing, of course. NBA, NHL playoffs are underway. Actually, moving right along, you can bet on all your sports action. Get on to betonline.ag on your mobile device, betonline.ag. And when you sign up, it's free to sign up, but when you sign up, use the promo code Locked On, and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want people to be sad for me. I've been the luckiest guy in the world. 39 years of of heaven, really. Got to live out a childhood dream. Got to do what I wanted to do with my life. Who, who could ask for more? Nobody should. No, I'm, these are not tears of being upset. These are tears of happiness and gratefulness. I got to do what I got, what I wanted to do. And my dad got to live a long life and got to share it with me for most of most of the time. But I miss him and uh, I miss talking to him and love my family. And I'm glad that that they've shared it with me. But I also think that. That we're looking forward to our next next phase of our life, you know. An emotional pulmonary as his coaching career comes to an end after 39 years. Uh, it's been well documented, and we've talked about it here 
I have a lot of respect for Coach Maneri, uh, the work that he did certainly at LSU, the resume, a Hall of Famer, winning a national championship, a national runner-up, five trips to Omaha, and 1,505 career wins in his 39 years. A job well done, a tip of the cap, and a salute to Paul Maneri, as uh, we certainly did that when he announced his retirement. But there's only one program that ever goes home happy at the end of the season. And unfortunately for LSU, it wasn't meant to be this year. But for Palmineri, certainly a career and a job well done. For LSU now, the the focus turns to what's next in this coaching search. And uh, Palmineri did discuss that a bit as well. Obviously, you know, we were able to win a regional. And, you know, there's some, there's some good young talent on this team. And uh, there's there's also some areas that need to be improved. There's no question about that. That's why I I wanted to announce my retirement when I did, so that Scott and Stephanie and Dan could could start their search quickly enough that they could get somebody on board and get into you know filling some holes that you know maybe we didn't with our incoming recruiting class. Maybe you know go into the transfer portal if necessary, and you know you know, just make the team as strong as they possibly can for next year. But I, I think there's a really strong foundation. He's certainly right in that respect, that there is going to be a lot of talent returning on this team, uh, led by Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan. Uh, your top two hitters, both freshman Kay Doty in his sophomore year was your three-hole hitter, or your number three hitter, I should say. Gavin Dugas is a guy that likely is going to have a decision to make. You could certainly return Zach Arnold, Jordan Thompson as well as a freshman, We'll be back for his sophomore season. And then Alex Malazzo behind the dish. You certainly want more offensively, but he's proven to be an elite-level catcher. And then there's guys that are, quite honestly, just going to have some interesting decisions to make. Um, some underclassmen who are draft-eligible. Guys like uh, you know, Drew Bianco. Does Drew Bianco elect to come back and play another season? Giovanni Giacomo just played out his junior season. He is draft eligible and is the Giacomo a guy who decides that he's going to sign and take whatever he can get to go to the next level there are no doubt also players on this roster as I've been asked a bunch there are players in this roster who are not going to have um, likely the opportunity to come back with a new coaching staff let's just be honest a, a new staff comes in and scholarships are one-year contracts and a staff could certainly come in and elect not to extend roster spots to certain players. So I'm not going to be crass at this moment and start naming names of players who likely you know may not have an opportunity to return. But I think we could look up and down the roster and see guys who who weren't really contributors and probably will free up roster spots for whoever the new coach is to come in and and bring in players that he wants on the roster that maybe better fit what he is going to do. Um, the flip side of it is, you know, as far as your pitching, you're going to replace your entire staff. Of course, unfortunately, you, you didn't have Jaden Hill this year, and then Landon Marceau and A.J. Labus uh, very likely are going to be done. You know, Labus is a junior who could come back for another, a fourth-year junior, could come back for another season, but if he has ambitions to play pro ball, then this is it for him. You do have a really good, exciting young core. When you look at Javen Coleman, who came on of late. A guy like Ty Floyd has electric stuff if he can command his secondary pitches. Same goes for Michael Fowler. And then you look at your midweek guy from this year in Will Helmers and Garrett Edwards, who you know gave you a lot of really good innings this season. 
And some young guys we didn't get to see a ton. Theo Millis, Jacob Hasty, Alex Brady, uh, Will Blake Money, who of course we saw at times this year, who could throw 95, but really struggle to command his secondary stuff. If he can develop a second and a third pitch, then you're talking about a guy who could be a really good SEC arm. And that's before we start talking about even the incoming class. So whoever the next coach is certainly is going to inherit a a ton of talent, a great core, and a team that made it to the, the round of 16 in the Super Regional round. This will be a preseason top 15 type team, regardless of who the coach is. And it's very plausible to think with this core of players that got the young players that got the experience they did this year, that within a year or two, as those players, you know, Morgan and Cruz and and Thompson, as those players go into their sophomore and junior seasons, this is a team that should have a realistic expectation of being back in Omaha very soon, potentially even in 2022. Now, who coaches LSU in 2022 and beyond? That is the big question. Obviously, Kevin O'Sullivan, Pat Casey, a couple of the early front runners, no longer in consideration. The thing that I've kind of said often is that it would be one of six people from the beginning. O'Sullivan, Casey, Bianco, Godwin, Corbin, and Dan McDonald from Louisville. Those are the six names I threw out, and I was fairly confident it would be one of those six, and O'Sullivan really was the the front runner. And for reasons that we've discussed or tap-danced tap around a little bit here, he won't be the coach, and neither will Pat Casey, which leaves the other four that I mentioned. And it would really take an ace in the hole for Scott Woodward to be able to pry Tim Corbin away from Vanderbilt or Dan McDonald away from Louisville. And it really leaves you with the option of – Mike Bianco and Bianco's team bowed out again in the Super Regional round in Arizona. And the criticism of Bianco, although he's been a fantastic coach over 21 seasons at Ole Miss and won tons of games and got him to the postseason, he just hasn't had postseason success. One Omaha trip in 21 seasons. And there is going to be hesitancy among LSU fans if that's the direction that Scott Woodward elects to go. But if that is the direction Scott Woodward's going to go, you better believe that the decision will come soon, possibly as early as this week. If they wait beyond this week, it tells you they're waiting till after the College World Series to have a conversation with somebody coaching in the College World Series. And I know there's going to be a lot of conversation about Tony Vitello at Tennessee. Some people are even bringing up Jay Johnson at Arizona after he just got his team to the College World Series. But you know, maybe that's an avenue that Scott Woodward and Stephanie Ramp, as you heard Paul Maneri allude to there, will explore. And maybe they're not in a great rush. But remember, the longer that you wait, the shallower that pool of candidates gets, the longer you put off recruits and potential signees and commitments, and all of that matters. So it is. Um, it behooves LSU to move quickly. I think that's why they were trying to move quickly early in this process with Kevin O'Sullivan, and it was something that they couldn't close. So now there is ambiguity around this position, I think, the odds-on favorite at this point would have to be Mike Bianco. And if it is Mike Bianco, that's going to be met with a lot of skepticism from the fan base and something that Mike Bianco is going to have to fight against and will only be cured with winning. Uh, that is certainly a topic that will dominate uh, our time together here until LSU has named a coach, and we'll certainly look forward to talking about it when that coach is hired. We always talk about our friends at Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the best-tasting protein bar in the world is Built Bar. I'm heading out to a vacation later this week, um, so I'll be out for a few episodes, but you better believe packing for vacation, I will have plenty 
of Built Bar. Perfect on the road trip to grab that snack on the go so you don't have to stop. Certainly a meal replacement in the mornings. Built Bar is high, ca- high protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar, gluten f- uh, gluten-free, keto, perfect for that keto diet, keto-friendly. It's Built Bar. Find your favorite flavor today. If it's the coconut or the raspberry, the mint brownie, or the double chocolate, salted caramel, find it today at BuiltBar.com. The best tasting protein bar in the world. At checkout, be sure to use the code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Hey, before we get out of here, got to give a gigantic shout out to the LSU men's track and field squad, national champions at the outdoor meet in Eugene, Oregon this weekend. Congrats to Dennis Shaver. The track and field team, top ranked in the country, wire to wire, 84 points they scored en route to the 2021 outdoor track and field national championship on Friday evening in Eugene. LSU won five individual event titles, and the Tigers dominated. As a matter of fact, they had the national championship sewn up with three events still to go, absolutely stunning. So congrats to um, uh, to LSU, 84 points. By the way, second place, Oregon, 53 points. Third place, North Carolina A&T, 35 points. Florida with 34 and a half. Then Texas, USC with 33, Texas with 29, Texas A&M 29. So you could see the sizable margin by which LSU won this outdoor national championship. It was the first men's outdoor national title since 2002, and the five, and the fifth overall. The other four were in 1933, 1989, 1990, and then in 2002 was the last before uh, winning this title on Friday. So congrats to Coach Dennis Shaver and the LSU men's track and field squad for winning the outdoor national championship, the fifth in program history. All right, remember to sc- subscribe to us here on the Locked on LSU podcast if you haven't done so yet. And as always, remember about... Uh, locked on today. Can the Clippers follow in the Bucks' footsteps? They're talking about it today on the Locked On Today podcast. Download it today wherever you get your podcasts, including the Odyssey app. It's Locked On Today. That'll do it for a Monday edition here of the Locked On LSU podcast brought to you by Rock Auto and rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Until tomorrow, it is Locked On LSU, your team every day.